everyone into another edition of Campfire Conversations. This is number 19. We've got a special guest jumping on from Wisconsin today in the form of Vortex Optics' Jimmy Hamilton. Uh, Jimmy, a good friend of the show. Uh, clearly, I've been using Vortex for a long time. I'm a huge fan of theirs. That's no lie. Um, I believe in their products and their warranty. We're going to talk a lot about that because when you say unconditional, when you use words like unconditional or lifetime, transferable, that's a, a big commitment from whoever's making whatever product it is, right? Especially when you're talking about things as expensive as optics. So uh, how Vortex has been able to do that and maintain that pledge to its customers um, we'll get into that, plus the history of Vortex Optics. It was started by Jimmy's parents. Uh, his dad, interesting guy. I've actually been to Vortex headquarters, and it is littered with Air Force paraphernalia, specifically paintings and photos. Very cool. Uh, so they do come from, uh, well, certainly uh, Mr. Hamilton comes from a uh, military background. That's evident at Vortex headquarters. Plus the new state-of-the-art Vortex Edge facility they've got there at Vortex HQ. I got to uh, play around with the virtual simulator. I forget the exact name of the company that makes it, but it was freaking awesome. We'll, we'll talk about that. And then uh, how has Vortex, more so than their competitors, been able to utilize the power of social media to grow their brand? And then the question everybody, I think, will be interested in hearing the answer to, why did Vortex pull out of SHOT Show? Yeah, we'll press Jimmy on that as well. So, without further ado, let's get into it right now. Joining us on Campfire Conversations, it's my pleasure to welcome Vortex's Jimmy Hamilton to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so last time we hung out, I was up in your neck of the woods at Vortex headquarters, and I never realized Wisconsin was so pretty. You know, um, I flew into uh, Madison, rented a car, and and headed Jaws Way, and lots of rolling hills and elevation change, and it was really pretty, man. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, you got to stop saying that, Cable. We don't want more. Uh, we don't want California people to just start moving <laughs> into this place and mess it up like they messed up your state. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. A good fight, though. Yeah. But yeah, it was pretty, man. Really, really nice. Of course, it was August, late August, and everything was lush and green. Um, are you guys like just covered with snow right now? Yeah, everything's covered in snow pretty well right now. And uh, you're calling in on a week where we're about to hit, I think, negative 17 tomorrow, something like that. So, oh, yeah. Well, we've never hit negative 17. Here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it was pretty well documented, our our uh, snowpocalypse last year and us Texans all freaking out. Of course, we didn't have power, so that was kind of a 
daunting. You know, we had to move out of, out of our house and in with the in-laws, uh, yeah. for, I think it got down to like negative four. So that's how we deal with negative temperatures. I mean, it doesn't matter how cold it is. If the power goes out and people's roofs start caving in and all that stuff going on, like I saw, I mean, it's, it's bad. Oh yeah. It was intense. Um, so HQ is amazing. And, uh, to, to say the least, you guys have really built something special there. My favorite part had to be the vortex edge though. And, um, we got to do some plinking with the precision 22 rifle, uh, which, I was vaguely aware of um, that new spot within the the shooting community. Sure, people are spending like ten thousand dollars on a twenty two. I it's <laughs> unreal, but there's reasons why they do it. There are, there are, yeah, it's a ton of fun. And uh, if you look at most of those precision twenty twos these days, a lot of them mimic the big center fire uh, rifles. Of course when i say big a lot of guys these days you know the big rifles even though they weigh 25 pounds they're still shooting six millimeters but um you know they mimic their uh their full-on prs guns or, or something along those lines so it's a great way to train it's incredibly fun and you get to do mostly all the same stuff you do with a center fire cartridge at a thousand yards within 200 yards so mm-hmm. and the and the competitive aspect i mean that's a big thing now too yeah absolutely yeah tons of people going out and competing um, you can, you know, a lot of competitions now you can take whatever 22 you got. Um, so it doesn't have to be something that's crazy expensive. Actually, it can be a, it can be a 10, 22 you've had sitting around forever. Uh, if you can just stick an optic on it, which is pretty simple, then you can go out and compete, have fun. So we were shooting, I think at uh, 50 yards. Tell us a little bit about the, the specs over at Vortex Edge. Yeah, just talking about so the the facility that we have here. Yeah, yeah, um, the facility that we're headquartered out of, I guess you, Vortex Edge is in, is our indoor range facility here at Vortex. So we have uh, a full on, pretty state of the art facility here, right on campus. It's right next door to HQ, and um, we've got oh four ranges, I want to say in total. Uh, kind of depending on you know, what you all consider a range, because we got a couple of, of things outside of just regular flat ranges, but we've got a hundred yard indoor range. That's pretty unique. I think we're one of only a handful in the entire country. Um, the last time I, I checked, I want to say there was maybe four of those in the whole country. Hmm. And then there's the 50 yard indoor range, which you talked about there. The, uh, the 50 yard is, is a dynamic range, so we can shoot at 50 yards, but then we can also shoot all the way up to the traps, which is pretty cool. We've got the action target, and they call it their all-wheel drive target carrier system. So uh, that's pretty sweet. And then we have a 25-yard range as well, which is also a dynamic range, just minus the target carrier system. Mm-hmm. And on the 50 and the 25, we'll host a lot of our classes. We host most USPSA pistol shooting uh, matches throughout the winter. So that's pretty cool. People in the, uh, in the Midwest here, when it is negative 17 can come and mm-hmm. shoot indoors and in short sleeve shirts and all that good stuff. So um, we've got those, we've got uh, a test range that our engineers use to just basically do um, giant round dumps into a trap. They can do recoil testing and all that stuff. And then we've got an indoor uh, tactical shoot house. So it's yeah, a, cool. yeah, say, what was that about 3000 square feet? So yeah, we can run various scenarios in there. We have NLTA non-lethal training ammunition that we use through carbines and pistols. 
And it works. We, we use it not only a lot of people see that and they think immediately law enforcement, military, but we use it also for some of our regular classes, too, that people can come in and sign up for, like our home defense class. Uh, we have an everyday ready class, which kind of focuses a lot on concealed carry stuff. And we even use it for our night vision class, actually, that we do. So uh, just getting people used to navigating around with night vision on their uh, on their face. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty neat spot that we get to work with. Okay, all of that sounds awesome. But I have to say my favorite part was like the what was it called? I mean, it was a virtual simulator. I forgot the name of the actual. uh, Yeah, but that was intense and. I mean, a little bit graphic if you don't know what you're getting into, but it's designed <laughs> like that for a reason. Uh, a lot of law enforcement use that for, for training scenarios. I mean, you're, essentially, I was thrown into a like a Columbine school shooting situation, and then you have to know how to react, when to take a shot, when not to, are you going to risk shooting the hostage, and and very realistic, um, you know, the – the, the, the active shooters are sitting there yelling at you sometimes with a with a gun to a hostage head. I mean, it was uh, yeah, it was it wasn't what I was expecting, but I mean, not in a bad way. I, re- I enjoyed it. That was it was awesome. Yeah. The Virtra is a pretty cool. That's what's called the Virtra 3000 is what we have. Uh, so it's a really cool system. Um, basically, you stand on a stage with a 300 degree projector screens around you that are projecting up a scenario that the instructors can play and choose. And then. Uh, yeah, the uh, the guns that you use, they're real guns that have been modified with laser barrels and also CO2 charged magazines. So you actually get some sort of a, a recoil feel, impulse. It's not you know a perfect representation, but it's, it gives you a little bit of sight movement and stuff like that that you have to deal with. Um, so yeah, that's a that's another tool we have at our disposal here. Uh, most of our edge classes really at this time, all of our edge classes don't use that. Uh, although, you know, certainly if military law enforcement do come in, especially law enforcement, um, that is something that, that, uh, we could run through scenarios with them. And so, um, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Like you said, I, I uh, kudos to Virtra for putting together such a, a really sweet system there. Mm-hmm. they've got actors that they'll have run through scenarios. You can, um, so yeah, it's real people on the screen. They don't look cartoony and all that stuff. Uh, they, um, they also have the ability, basically each scenario they do, they'll have the actors run through it maybe five different ways. So the instructor real time can change the direction of the scenario so they can escalate or deescalate it. So if you've got somebody who's a little too trigger happy, you know, um, maybe they can, quickly de-escalate it and then try and get the person on stage to maybe like chill out a little bit and, and not necessarily go, go guns blazing into every room they enter. Yeah. Uh, or if you've got somebody who's a little more hesitant, you can kind of escalate things, you, whatever, you know, the, the instructors choose, but yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. And it shows you like your, the impact of your bullet, you know, where you, if you miss or if you, if you hit mm-hmm. the perpetrator, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. So very, very realistic. And yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. I know that you're a, you're a shooter and a tinkerer more than a diehard hunter. Did you get out this past season? Did I, I did not actually. So, and it's kind of a bummer really. I, I would have loved to have gotten out, but with Vortex Edge kind of just being the uh, kind of really getting things off the ground here this year and during the fall, I was mostly tied up with uh, with classes that we were running, some of our very first classes that we were running under our kind of new curriculums all over the place. We had 
new instructors that we were bringing on staff. So we hired three additional instructors. We have six total professional instructors that work full time for us. So there was so much going on here. I never, uh, I never really managed to make the time. Well, so calls. Oh. yeah, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> that's how it works. But I did live vicariously through a, a number of the guys around here at work who, who did go out. So uh, it seemed kind of like it was a tough season actually for people around here in Wisconsin. I mean, I know a couple of guys that did, that did manage to, uh, to shoot some, some big bucks and things like that, but I know a lot of people who were, who were kind of struggling. So I don't know what happened, but. Yeah. Well, my seasons, it was pretty much, it mirrors that. Uh, there were two high points and <clears throat> my neighbor shot the deer that I wanted to shoot. So that kind of threw a wrench <laughs> in my plans, um, which was okay. But my son did cry. He was like, Oh no, dad, you're not going to get to shoot that deer. I was like, That's <laughs> the way low fence hunting goes. And we're, we're happy for the, for the neighbor. She, she took a great buck and you know, there's always next year. So yeah. once that happened, my attention focused solely to just getting my son his first deer, and he ended up shooting a nice eight point. Uh, oh, that's awesome! Yep, he's got a two forty three with the the venom, which is just that's like <clears throat> I even said that was my favorite new optic of twenty twenty one, and you know he's eight years old and has a venom on his two forty three, spoiled, rotten. Uh, thanks to <laughs> but so then I um, took my grandfather's gun. What do we got here? Ooh. It's a Marlin 3030 that went to my uncle. My grandfather died in like 2008, and he and I were very close, but obviously the gun went to his son. My uncle passed away. It went to my cousin. My cousin had no use for it, and I, I told him, I was like, if you ever decide you don't want these, uh, please don't pawn them. You know, I'll, I'll pay you whatever, Seriously. Whatever, whatever you want for them. Uh, so I finally got my hands on it, and I put a uh, a razor uh, LH. It's a three to fifteen by forty-two, and I didn't shoot a big buck with it. I shot a I shot a doe the last uh, day of our our late season, but um, it was like sentimental for me. Uh, mm -hmm. It was pretty special, and he did have a scope on there. It was an old old, um, I don't know if it was like a Tasco. I don't know, but it was certainly the gun is. 50 something years old and i think the scope was probably as old um they've changed optics have changed a lot and for uh for the better so <laughs> that they have that they have it's pretty uh pretty incredible yeah. but no that thing's uh that's a beautiful looking rifle and putting a razor lh on there i feel like that is that is a good choice the razor lh is i mean it just whenever i think about it i just think of just a classy hunting scope yeah, well, it's a great fit for that, and 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 so that meant a lot to me. You know, having my son get get his and first buck, and then and then taking an animal with my my uh, granddad's rifle, which I don't know the last time the thing was even shot, much less um, used to put meat on the table. So that was pretty cool. Um, now, as far as the history of Vortex, your I believe your it was your dad that founded the company, correct? Yeah, so my my mom and my dad, they were both in on it uh, from uh -huh. the start. They uh, they owned, boy, it's a, you know it's one of those long stories. Every story about a business, I'm sure, starting is a long story. But they owned a business that was in sort of the outdoor space, but optics was only a very very small part of it. They're a retailer. They started that in 1986 in Madison, Wisconsin, 
And then things just kind of evolved from there. There was a lot of pivots and optics was one of the things I think they took the biggest interest in. So then they started their own retail company that was dedicated to solely optics. That was called Eagle Optics. And Eagle Optics uh, sold a number of different brands, but after selling a number of different brands for quite some time, they decided that they felt they could do it better. And we decided to start our own brand. So actually back in 2002 about, we started a, a lot of brands. It's kind of like a shotgun approach. Vortex was one of them. And that didn't last very long. We sort of quickly decided some of them were, um, oh, like licenses and things like that. So we decided that was kind of a pain in the butt. And we just wanted to go with a brand that really had no baggage attached to it. It was a brand new thing, fresh start. And um, so, yeah, that, uh, that happened. That's how it started. There was a period of time where I was growing up where my parents were not only outnumbered by children, but also by businesses. So <laughs> they, had, they had the retail store. They started in 86. They had Eagle Optics and they had Vortex Optics. And then they had four uh, kids. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a pretty wild time, but things just kind of kept rolling. We started out being mostly involved in kind of outdoorsy bird watching, uh, sort of granola crunching type stuff. Admittedly, if you were somebody, you know, just like looking back on what it was to start. Um, but you know, I think my brothers got involved pretty early. Like they're a lot older than I am, but they got involved pretty early and, uh, <laughs> Believe it or not, I think some people think, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, you guys were involved in bird watching because you're a bunch of hippies or something like that. And actually, it, it was it was kind of the thing back then, though. I mean, hunting and shooting was nowhere near what it is today in 2002. So if anybody would have told us, hey, you know, the real uh, kind of business venture, the thing you're going to be most interested in and, and dealing in the most in the future is going to be hunting and shooting, we probably would have laughed because we've been mm -hmm. like, birding's where it's at, bro. Like, this is... <laughs> This is where uh, this is where things are happening. But my brothers, uh, especially, were kind of like, "Hey, mom, dad, that's cool and all, but if we don't do something way cooler than birding, we're probably going to get pretty bored and, and not want to hang around." So we got into uh, into more of the hunting stuff, and then again, that kind of pivoted into getting into shooting, and I mean, everything just kind of ratcheted up real quick from there. But. I mean, there's nothing wrong with bird watching. I, I used to do it before I started hunting. And, yeah. And um, my dad and I had the, the Birds of North America book. It's a blue book. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's very popular. And we would, you know, whenever we'd go on vacation or something, we would see a new bird and we would mark the date and location of where we saw it. It was uh, mm -hmm. something we did. And then my, and my dad's not a hunter. And then I just started wanting, I wanted to start killing all the birds. So he was like, <laughs> bird watching, bird watching is great. It's one of those things that even if you say you don't do it, you actually probably do. Oh yeah. So, I mean, it's just every time you're out, I mean, hunters are probably some of the biggest bird watchers that there are because they're out in the woods so often. And they yeah. usually, you see a cool bird and you're like, that's cool. And you can appreciate it. I mean, birds are like, mm -hmm. uh, they're one of the coolest species out there just because they have such an incredible variety. I mean, you know, they're kind of like uh, dogs of the sky. There's a gazillion different birds that do a gazillion different things. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and really it's a cool party trick because I'll be, you know, whether it's with my wife or, or in, in kids or, you know, friends or outside, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's uh, you know, that's a cedar waxwing. And they're like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, well, how, do you, <laughs> how do you even know that? And I'm like, well, you know, going, going back to my childhood, I, I, 
really paid attention to it and still, you know, appreciate it just as much as I ever have. Mm -hmm. Um, It is cool. It is cool. It's like that. It's like that kid who's kind of a, a nerd until you go to a party and he like sees a piano and he just starts ripping out classic tunes on the <laughs> piano and everybody wants to be their best friend. You're like, right. I wish I would have stuck it out in piano lessons. I'll tell you what. But. <laughs> yeah. So, so that is a little bit about the history. Are you, so are you the only kiddo that is still involved in the day-to-day operations? Nope. No, I, all of my brothers and I are involved in day-to-day operations. So my uh, two oldest brothers are twins they're involved in, uh, well, one of them is involved in a development team within Vortex that's been working on a, the optic that was selected for the NGSWFC for the Army. So the next generation squad weapon fire control, basically the scope that's going to go on the gun to replace the M4 and the M241. So he's been uh, leading the team on that. <clears throat> His twin brother is our C... O-O, and then the next brother down is our CEO. And then there's me and I run the range and Vortex Edge. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you're the one that's active on like, so you're the one that gets seen regularly on social. And of course, with the Vortex Nation podcast, uh, which was also cool. I got to uh, visit with you guys on that when I was up there, um, Yeah, which was, was a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure there's another company, Jimmy, that at least in the out, um, certainly in the outdoor space, hunting and shooting, that's really taken the world by storm. I think, I mean, you talked about humble beginnings in 2002 with Vortex. Um, aren't you guys the largest optic manufacturer in the world at this point? I honestly don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, I know we're. I was like, well, wow, that's uh, that's quite impressive. And but even if even if that's not the case, to where you guys uh, from where you guys started, you know what. 20 years ago to where you are today, 20 years is not a lot of time to build one of the most successful companies in our industry. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's just been a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work and, um, we've been blessed to have the right people on our team too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think we've got, we've got a lot of really good folks around us and we built quite a team here that's really helped push us to, to where we are today. So, um, Yeah. I, it's, it's been a, it's been a pretty wild ride. I mean, that's for sure. Um, sometimes when I look back on stuff, I think it was, was a really long time ago. And I realized, you know, at times it was only like a couple of years ago, for example, but, um, but I mean, we got where we are here today. Uh, mostly, mostly by just a lot of hard work and trying to listen to our customers and do the right thing for our customers. So, and that's what we plan to continue to do. So, and there's something to be said there because I don't know, when you guys came up with the idea that, Hey, you break it, we'll fix it. Lifetime transferable warranty, VIP warranty. When I first heard that, and I think I've been with Vortex about a decade, I was like, seriously, you break their stuff and they'll just fix it for you. Like who does that (laughs) for free? Like that's not a thing. Um, It's the best in the industry. I know your customers appreciate that. And I mean, I've, I've taken advantage of it. I've I'm hard on, on gear and, uh, for and, and one of the uh, the trackers in South Africa literally dropped a pair of uh, binos off a cliff, smashed to ho- high holy hell, and you guys sent me another pair that I I took back to him in July. And the look on his face, he didn't even understand. He's like, "Wait a second, I broke this." And, the, and I yeah, I was like, "Yeah, but the, they they got you a new pair." Like it's uh, <laughs> it's incredible. And that coupled with the fact of how 
early you guys got in on social media and understood the value of social media, um, I'm sure it has a lot to do with how successful you've been. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the first point there with the, with the VIP warranty, the whole point of that, just from the very start, um, like I said before, I mean, we had been in retail for a long time. We dealt with numerous other brands. We'd seen customers come into us, buy other brands' products, come back, and then be trying to deal with the warranty process if they ever did have an issue. And we just saw so many people frustrated and it became very evident very immediately that a frustrated customer is never one that's really going to stick around that much. And, um, you know, not even just that, I mean, there's kind of the, there's the business side of it. And some people even have arguments, you know, one way or another that, you know, we had a lot of people telling us, you guys are going to go out of business real quick with a warranty like that. But, um, I mean, the thing behind it really is, it's just the right thing to do in our opinion. You know, I mean, it's, there's times where you're going to have people that, yeah, it absolutely was their fault. Um, but that doesn't matter to us. We're still going to take care of them the same way because if we ever make a mistake, because we all know that we live in an imperfect world, if we ever make a mistake, then we hope that, you know, the customer is, uh, is, is willing to work with us on that. And, um, you know, we can always just make it right. Um, so, you know, giving our customers way less of a headache, just making the whole process of having a Vortex product be an easy process. Um, that's, that's kind of the name of the game. Um, well, and so, if you build a great product, then, then you really shouldn't have to be fixing a lot of, you shouldn't be taking care of a lot oh, of yeah. things. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. also pushed our engineering department too. I mean, it's, it's a big conversation we have every time we come out with a new product. Like, are we prepared for this thing to have a lifetime VIP warranty. Um, so if we can't answer yes to that question, we're not going to come out with that product. That would be a very dumb business decision. Um, so yeah, that's, that's important. Um, you know what I mean? We've had this, it's funny because a lot of times, especially when we get into a new product category, we'll have this conversation and this conversation has come up, you know, cause we got into, we had binoculars and we were like, okay, you know, generally speaking, a lot of people have one pair of binoculars. We'll cover that pair of binoculars for life. People usually take good care of them, you know. Then we get into rifle scopes. It's like, all right, is this something we're going to cover under the VIP lifetime warranty? And, and the question always comes up, and it's kind of like it kind of has to come up in some ways. Like there's there's no way that you could ever possibly have anybody who wouldn't at least wonder. But the answer is always just kind of like, well, if we didn't cover it under the – it just wouldn't be a Vortex product if we didn't cover it like everything else that we cover. So – um, the big ones were certainly, we got into stuff like red dots and range finders and stuff that has electronics on board. Right. Cause then people are when they're like, Hey, I mean, guys, you know, we had people telling us all over the place, you're talking about electronics right now. You know, you, you realize, you realize what you're doing when you say this is a lifetime warranty. Right. And we maybe took two seconds to think about it. And it was like, yep. We're doing it anyway. Um, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. So, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's been one of the really unique things. A lot of, a lot of times you'll see other brands where they'll, or other companies, even outside of our space and they start, yeah, we've got a lifetime warranty on this product, but you know, that excludes this thing that we think is going to break. And it excludes this thing that we think is going to break and excludes this thing that we think you'll break. And, you know, then all of a sudden, next thing, you know, it actually excludes everything. So you're like, well, what actually is covered anymore? Right. Um, right. But yeah. Well, so speaking of new products um, and I've, 
I don't I don't have one yet, but I'm looking forward to getting one. So I can't say that I've gotten to play with it. But the uh, Micro 6X Magnifier Red Dot. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about this. I know this is uh, very exciting stuff and extremely affordable, too. Yeah. Well, I say affordable, so, you know, everything is relative in optics, but um, sure. you know, at a, it's, at, it's coming in at a price point that, you know, the working man can't afford. And, um, yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to getting one. Yeah. The uh, Micro 6X comes in on the heels of the Micro 3X that we came out with maybe a year or two ago. I already kind of forget exactly when that came out, but it was it was pretty recent. Um, and, you know, magnifiers, magnifiers have been around for, for some time now. Anybody who runs a, a red dot, usually, you know, if you get just a red dot to go on top of your carbine or something like that, a lot of times uh, it's great up close. It's great within maybe 50 yards. If you, if you got real nice eyes, it's good within 100 yards, perhaps. Um, but you quickly start realizing, okay, if I'm going to try and be a little bit more accurate at a little bit greater distance, I do kind of miss some of that, that magnification. Um, and so, you know, magnifier helps you out there. You can flip it behind the red dot, engage it, and then you've got either three X or now in this case, six X. Um, so that is really nice to have. Uh, I think that the, the classic, um, uh, sort of versus or, or matchup that people talk about now is, you know, why get something like this over a low power variable, uh, like a one to six, for example, a strike Eagle or one to six PST, or I mean, heck a one to six razor, if you're feeling real fancy, um, you know, those, those optics are really nice. They're super versatile. They're sort of the Jack of all trades. Um, but I mean, there's still something to be said about using a red dot when you want one power a red dot will always be in my opinion or a holographic site too i'm just lumping those two together uh in my opinion it'll always be the king of one power no magnification um i mean until somebody comes out with something that's just i mean i don't, I don't even know how they would do it with physics i don't understand how it would work to to get as good as those um so i deal with i you know obviously i deal with instructors here all the time many of whom on their carbines like to run red dots and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I know I'm going to run a red dot. And then now with the micro three X and the micro six X, they're so small, they're so lightweight. They're, they're really, you know, snag free. Um, you know, they're so nicely designed that as soon as I put a red dot or I see somebody put a red dot on, it's kind of like, why wouldn't I also just throw a magnifier on? Um, I'm really not losing much if anything and now i've only increased my capability if i want to stretch it out a little bit so um i love them. i think they're super cool i actually was like team low power variable at first mm -hmm. and i still like those a lot but now i i'm i've got i think three magnifiers on three of my different rifles now uh because i'm a big fan and so msrp is i think it's under 700 bucks yeah like yeah six, and that's 659 or something like that I mean, I might be wrong. That sounds about right. Yeah. And I want to say even that might be website price. So I think the street price would be even lower than that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, y'all check that out. Uh, one other thing in, and I have, uh, I have a Razor HD Gen 2. We also just came out with the Gen 3. Oh, the one to 10. Yeah. And the, and the six to 36. Sorry. So yeah, depending on which one you're referring to. Um, so yeah, the Gen 3 series though of razors. Um, I look at the one to 10 and the six to 36, they're, they're both within that razor gen three family, but they're, they're very, very much different optics as you right. can imagine. Um, the most recent of those certainly being the six to 36. So the long range scope, um, that thing 
that thing had big shoes to to fill and then sort of you know exceed with the razor gen 2 uh like the four and a half 27 so um we we spent a lot of time on it that's why the gen 3 1 to 10 came out uh at least one year before the 6 to 36 right um because we we needed all that time to to build something that really was worth being called the gen 3 and an upgrade because um, what's the point and this is one of the biggest criticisms i hear about shot show is everyone's chasing new product development but at the end of the day are you really offering something that of value that's new and different and in an upgrade or are you just saying I mean, we made this one tweak and now we're slapping a new updated label on it because we have to put out a new product yeah i mean it we that is one of the tough things these days. People want new, 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 new all the time. I mean, as soon as something's new, it, it's old in a month. You know, everybody wants the next new thing. Um, I mean, people are that way with with everything. Um, you know, one of the really tough things with um, with optics is they take a long time to develop and to get right because there's a lot going on. I don't want to act like there's not other things in this industry uh, that that aren't also complicated to make, but optics are certainly one of the most complicated. When I think about all the engineers that go into developing an optic, I mean, you've got almost every engineer under the sun besides probably civil engineers because we're not building bridges or anything. But, um, you know, uh, electrical, mechanical, optical, industrial, uh, and, and the list goes on. So, um, yeah, our development time usually is a number of years. And especially in our industry, I think, you know, we had that big boom, especially around 2008, 2007, that things really got going and everybody started coming out with new stuff that was actually a notable upgrade. And I think that there was probably a lot of low hanging fruit pretty early on and uh, of things that needed updating. And it happened really fast. I mean, everything just swooped in hard and fast and, and you saw new stuff coming out left and right. That was pretty sweet. And I think that a lot of the low hanging fruit has been pretty much plucked at this point. And so now it's, it's taking considerable time to actually get notable games. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the case there, but yeah, like I said, with that, with that six, six to 36, we took our time, um, you know, with the magnification range there, you do get more magnification. We, we did a lot of market research a lot of um, polling of our customers and, and, and stuff like that to figure out what magnification range people wanted. Uh, most of all, I'm not saying that six to, six to 36 will be the only long range object within the Razor Gen 3 line. Maybe there will be others, uh, but it's the one we wanted to start with because it was the most popular request was somewhere in that range. Um, but it's super versatile because it's first focal plane. So you can use that uh, EBR uh, 7 d we keep coming up with new iterations of it you can use that that reticle though on any magnification so you don't lose much on the low end you go from a minimum of four and a half to now a minimum of six so that's only one and a half power difference and now if you know you only ever hung out around 18 power cool just use it on 18 power you know if you did go up to 27 you don't see the reason to go up to 36 that's fine um so it's a pretty cool optic the zeroing process is now as easy as a zeroing process can get with a really in-depth zero stop. So there's only one screw you have to dis uh, to loosen to disengage the zero stop. You zero it with that uh, infinite zero. There's no click, so you can get a perfect zero. And then you just tighten up the one screw and you're back to the races. 
So um, it's, it's a really intuitive, really easy to use system. Um, the optics are phenomenal, definitely an upgrade. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool optic. Awesome. Awesome. Well, exciting stuff on that front. One other thing I wanted to hit on, um, and it's just because I pretty much wear, I, you know, I, I look at myself every day and I'm wearing something from Vortex, by the way. Like, <laughs> it's hot. I'm, I'm wearing shorts. Uh, yesterday I was playing golf and it was a little chilly. And I don't play a lot of golf, uh, just so the listeners don't think I'm out there golfing like Jim Shockey on a regular basis. No, no. <laughs> uh, when my buddies, I said, you know, if you're having a bachelor party or if it's your birthday, I'll play golf with you. Or in this case, my buddy was moving to Denver. So we got a little golf game in and I was wearing, um, I don't even know the name of the jacket. It's like a, a black windbreaker. Absolutely love it. Um, so yeah, every day I'm wearing something from Vortex wear flannel shirt. I've basically live in that, um, mm -hmm. during, during hunting season, unless I'm actively, you know, hunting, but filling feeders or, um, you know, or if you're going fishing, I went, I took the wife to Florida to go snook fishing in, uh, in August for my, for my 40th birthday, sun slayer was perfect. So you've got, you've got an entire lineup of apparel, which is certainly unique to an optics company. I mean, everyone knows Vortex makes cool T-shirts and caps and hoodies, right? But um, mm -hmm. what what you guys have going on now is the evolution of that. To uh, to you know, it's pretty impressive. Absolutely love them. Yeah, well, yeah, appreciate that. Um, I'll pass the word along certainly to the team that that uh, that windbreaker does well on the golf course. But um, you know, I think the thing with the with the Vortex wear is that. We kind of, I know when we first started diving into it beyond just the shirts, caps, maybe a hoodie here and there, we sort of took a look around the office for one. And, you know, I think that we have most of the people who work for Vortex are also people who would be prime Vortex customers. A lot of hunters, a lot of shooters, a lot of people that are into the outdoors. Um, you know, somehow they found their way here because they thought that the company and the brand really resonated with them. So we see a lot of our customers in just who we see every day. And we started noticing that like what they wear is a really weird uh, sort of, or at the time it was a really weird sort of hodgepodge or, you know, jambalaya of all sorts of brands from all sorts of different, uh, like of all sorts of different uh, backgrounds. And maybe one brand that they're wearing, their pants are from some brand that probably isn't a brand that would ever really enjoy ever showing themselves uh being worn by somebody who shoots guns or somebody who hunts and then their jacket was from some other brand that might be the same way but you know it was all really nice stuff and it works well kind of yeah if you got to go do something that's like hanging a tree stand or if you got to go out and do something out outside but then it looks fine if you gotta go into work and then maybe go to the bar after work or something like that you know you just kind of did everything but none of the brands really resonated if you actually looked at what the brands are all about they didn't really resonate with our our customer our people um and then a lot of the brands that did resonate you know that you're kind of like oh, yeah that's a second amendment supporting company or you know those people like hunting that sort of thing a lot of it was super technical you know like if you walked in wearing that stuff people would be like we going to raid a house or <laughs> like are you going are we going to like are you about to leave for alaska or something and so we wanted something that was in between and it was from a brand that actually, you know, appreciated all the same things that our customers do. So you've got, you know, Vortex, an American company. Uh, you know, we, we love the second amendment. We love guns. We love, you know, we love hunting, all that good stuff. And we're making clothes that work pretty much anywhere. Like you said, I mean, 
if you're going to get forced to go out on the golf course, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't, I actually don't mind the occasional I round actually, of golf, but I'm, I call <laughs> garden, I'm doing some gardening out there more than anything. Yeah. Else. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, if you got to go to the golf course, if you got to go into work, if you're headed out to the bar later with buddies, or if you're going to go out, hang a tree stand, if you're going to go, you know, do something along those lines outside, you might get a little dirty in it. You might break a sweat in it, something like that. It kind of just does everything. So that was the, uh, that was the idea. And that's, that's why they call, you know, the slogan for it is it fit for everywhere. So, um, yeah. Right on. Yeah, no, I, uh, I will admit I, I do enjoy golf. I played before I started having kids, I played about once a week, you know, I had not, not really a lot of responsibility in life. And, yeah. uh, and now if I, I feel like if I'm going to take five or six hours of my life, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather go hunting or fishing. And, and, but here's the other thing I used to be better than all my friends. And then when I quit playing about eight, nine years ago, when my son was born, they've all kind of passed me. And so now I just get frustrated. I'm like, oh, this sucks. You know, I, now I don't want to play because they're, they're all kicking my ass. Uh, yeah. so that might have something like in the back of my mind, like why I really don't enjoy it as much as I once did. Um, but I also said once my kids are older, cause I started having kids before them, I'll play golf again and, and they'll be having kids. So. I think it's, oh, that's uh, right. It's just yeah. kind of like the, uh, the slingshot, then you'll be better than them. And, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Jimmy. So the elephant in the room vortex was MIA, MIA at shot show. Uh, there were some other big players that also pulled out and I would be, I wouldn't be doing a, an accurate job in this conversation. If I didn't at least ask you what, what was the reasoning for pulling out and um it seemed like because i was in vegas i was at sci mm-hmm. didn't make it over to shot but everyone that was coming back and forth between the shows said that shot show was really down so yeah so first off i got like i gotta throw this out there the reason we were not there at shot show this year was not covid related um so uh nobody here had covid and so we were like you know pulled the plug or we weren't worried about you know anything like that so um that was not the reasoning it had nothing to do with our decision making i think that the uh i think that the biggest thing was really you know we have had a good relationship with the nssf over the years so you know i I don't want to i don't want to uh talk badly or anything like that about them or shot show, but I think we kind of saw the writing on the wall with this year's shot. Um, there was a lot sort of, Oh, there was a lot of talk around it. That was kind of just, um, people weren't as excited for it this year uh, as they had been in previous years. And that's just kind of been seemingly a trend a little bit. Uh, a lot of people saying they weren't going, um, you know, there was going to be some stuff going on that we weren't really super stoked on, uh, at the show. And, you know, and it was also evident that a number of other manufacturers weren't going to be there. And I think, you know, maybe even one of the biggest things is that it's 2022. Um, technically, you know, that's supposed to be like a dealer show, you know, a show for, for retailers and stuff to come to. But of course, like if you want to get in, you can get in. That's not that hard to get in, even if you're not a dealer or anything. Um, so, yeah. Uh, most all of the meetings that we would have there at the show with retailers and dealers of ours, they've kind of already happened. You can have them anywhere. You can have them at their headquarters at our headquarters now. Uh, Cause we have a new headquarters. That's kind of like, we don't uh, mind people coming to uh, the old place was homey. It was maybe also a little homely, but um, 
anyway, you know, so we have a lot of those meetings. If there's new products that come out, we can talk about them on social media and release them there and probably even get a little bit bigger release and we can control it a little bit more because you're not like relying on somebody showing up to your booth and putting a camera and a microphone in your face and you're having to shout, you know, to overcome the noise of the crowd and try and get your point across. And you kind of only get one take and hopefully it was right and you said everything right. And so we, we can just do a lot of that stuff from here. Um, so I think really, I think the SHOT Show uh, mold, if you will, um, or the, the, the structure or framework that they have, I think it just maybe needs some updating um, for the times, just because um, they've kind of been running it the same way for quite, quite a while. Um, but I think a lot has changed around it. So, um, we're certainly not out of shot show forever. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep an ear to the ground about what happens next year. And hopefully, um, we can inject a little bit more life into the show. And, and if that happens, then certainly heck yeah, we would, uh, we'd love to be there and see people in person. But, um, this year it just didn't seem like the, uh, worth the investment, I would say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks for the honest uh, answer there. I just felt like we needed to, I, I personally want to know, and I know a lot of the listeners mm -hmm. would want to know the reasoning behind that as well. So uh, and one, one thing, one thing that I do want to say too, and I, and I gotta, I gotta put this out there is that, you know, like I said, the NSSF is, you know, they run that show. Uh, it's a big deal for them. And, um, you know, I, I think it was a big deal for them that a lot of people didn't show up. So I, I know that they did have some phone calls with us and they have honestly been listening to some of the manufacturers that did not go this year. So uh, I do want to give them credit for that. I think that they are kind of, uh, I think that they are looking at things, um, you know, objectively and, they, and they're, they have an open mind towards what the future will hold. So um, I, I would say I give them credit for that and I look forward to seeing what they do. Um, so yeah, anyway, I want to throw that out there because I, I don't want to be throwing shade at all. Um, that's not what, uh, that's not what I'm on here to do. It just, like you said, it's, it's yeah. an honest answer. So hopefully, hopefully we can, uh, we can make it happen. Hopefully, you know, we get, we get some cool new stuff going on. We'll shot you in the future. Well, thanks for the candid uh, response to that question. You bet. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for your time today. And I, I do want to encourage people to check out the Vortex Nation podcast. If they haven't already, you and, um, my good friend, Mark Boardman host that. It's a great show lots of uh lots of different topics variety from from hunting shooting so on and so forth so y'all check that out thanks again jimmy appreciate it thank you appreciate you having me on now it's all way back.